Let's pray. Jesus, what a good God you are. We thank you that it brings you joy to dwell with us. Father, we need you so deeply and so desperately. We were created to know you, to long for you. God, I pray that this morning we would leave this place knowing you more. God, and I don't just say that because it sounds good and it sounds like a good idea, Lord, but I say that from a place of knowing how desperately we need you. Father, your word says that you are so good and without you we have no good thing, and I fully believe that. That without you we have no good thing. God, you are our good thing. And Lord, if, there, if we are questioning your goodness, Lord, I pray that we don't question you, but our own definition of good, because you are good. Thank you for being here with us. Lord, I pray that as this word goes forth, Lord Jesus, it would fall on fertile ground. God, that in due season it would produce a harvest. Lord Jesus, that the worries of life would not be able to choke out that seed. Lord God, we thank you, Lord. And we ask that we would be like trees planted by streams of water, that we would be nourished by you. That we would grow a deep foundation of trust and of truth. And God, that we would be unmovable, that we would be steady, that we would be steadfast. God, that so when the storms of life come, we would be so rooted in your word, so rooted in scripture, that we would be unmovable. And that's what I ask of you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for dwelling with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, Sanctuary. Good morning. My name is Tara Hollingsworth, and I am grateful and honored, as always, to be here with you guys this morning. I have the privilege of serving our youth here at Sanctuary. Our youth ministry is called Mosaic, um, and we serve all students, uh, sixth grade to 12th grade. Um, and so it's an honor to be before you guys this morning. We are in um, the last um, section of our series, Quiet Virtues. And in this series, we're talking about those, um, those, those virtues that sometimes can be overlooked. Sometimes when we begin to build our character and the virtues that we have, we go for some of the ones that are more popular, the ones that other people can see um, and admire and take hold of. But throughout this series, we've been quieting ourselves a bit. And we've been um, noticing some of these virtues that we see really as foundational as ones that not many people can see but are so valuable to hold on to. And the first week, Pastor Rose talked about authenticity. And then last week, Pastor Edgerin talked about reverence and what that means to revere the Lord. And it was a beautiful time of worship in a Sunday that I personally will never forget, and I am still completely wrecked from last Sunday. Anybody else? <laughs> but this morning, I'm going to be talking about the quiet virtue of contentment. Now, if you know me, you know that I am, you, I don't know that people would describe me as content. And I think that it's interesting because last time I preached, I talk, talked about responsibility. I'm not the most responsible person. And I know that. And you know that too, if you know me. 
But now I'm going to, the, the Lord is working on me clearly because I'm going to be talking about con- contentment this morning. And as an Enneagram 7, that is not our greatest strong suit. An Enneagram 7, if you're unfamiliar, is called the enthusiast. So basically, you're, you're kind of looking for more. You're always looking for the next big thing or next big adventure. And so contentment is really, um, it's, it's tough for people like myself to be satisfied in the moment that you're in right now, to not feel like you need more. That is the virtue that we're going to be talking about this morning. And it's definitely something that I'm learning. So this morning, I acknowledge that each and every one of us are in different places of life. With the holiday season coming up, some of us are excited about that. Some of us are dreading it, um, or some of you maybe are even have been so busy throughout your life, you know, the past couple weeks that you don't even have the energy to think about the holidays yet. You'll get there next Thursday. Um, But even though we are all in different places, contentment is the same for us all. It's that thing that in each season of life, it can carry you. Those seasons are so different, contentment can look the same. So this morning, I'm going to do a very large pastor no-no. And if Pastor Rose and Pastor Edwin are watching the live stream right now, like I know them to be, and they're probably like, what is she talking about? Um, but the, youth, the, the pastor no-no is giving all your points in the first few minutes and then also preaching three sermons in one. So sorry. <laughs> so here are my points for this morning. My point number one, which we will get into, is what does it look like to be content in a season of joy? And the main point is that a plentiful season does not take away my need for God. That's it. That's the tweet. The second point is contentment in distress. And that is, I don't need to be okay to be content. And then the last one is contentment in a season of waiting, which means I don't need more than what I have right now. So the three sermons I'll be giving you guys this morning is number one, contentment in joy. Number two, contentment in distress. And number three, contentment while waiting. So let's look to our scripture this morning. If you can, turn with me to Psalm 46. Psalm 46. And when you got it, say got it. If you need more time, say hold up. If you didn't bring your Bible, I'm just playing. Okay. Psalm 46. Starting at verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is a verse that we're going to be referencing to um, throughout the next uh, 30 or so minutes. But like I mentioned before, the first thing we're going to be talking about is contentment in a season of joy. And if I'm being honest, I think this one is the hardest for me. It's easier for me to be content and rely on God when I really have nothing else to rely on. 
But when you feel like there's so many things in your life that are going right, when there's really not that much that you need, it can be hard to rely on God. But like I said in the beginning, a plentiful season does not take away my need for God. So I want to start out by saying that contentment and joy are not the same thing. Though they can look similar, and though we may mistake one for another, contentment and joy are just not the same. Contentment is more of like a quiet confidence, and it's rooted in knowing who Jesus is, not in the things that you have, not in the fact that things are going well, but it's rooted in who Jesus is. It's a grounding, and it's like an an assurance that God's got you. It's just that confidence that you can walk with, knowing that like no matter what, God has me. No matter what people think of me, God has me. No matter what things look like, God has me. If people love me or if they don't, God has me. Now, there's a term going on right now, um, and it's more prevalent um, in our younger generations, and it's this term of genie Jesus. And what genie Jesus is, is it's um, an idea of Jesus that you only um, communicate with him when you need something, that you only call out to him when you need something. And I believe that we have to be careful of this genie Jesus mentality. And I think that we know when we've fallen into it, when we're in a good season, everything is going great, and we forget our need for God. We forget to spend time in his word. We forget to pray for other people because we're doing okay. And so we have to be careful of this mentality that says, I only need Jesus when I need something. So I'll call out to him, get my wishes, and then move on. And I don't believe that's what the Lord has called us to. There's a show that if you like this show, you and I can be friends, really good friends, because it is the best show of all time. And I mean that. I stand behind that statement. This show is none other than Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yes. And there is a scene that has stuck with me. And you know you watch a show a lot when you start to see sermons in the show, you know? You're like, I see God in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? So there's this episode, which it is episode 29 season. No, I'm kidding. I don't know which, which one it is. But there's this episode, and in this episode, uh, Will gets shot. You guys remember that one? Okay, so Will gets shot, jumping in front of a bullet for Carlton. And so he's in the hospital, and his girlfriend, you know, she's at, like, his aid and everything like that. And I think we have a video clip of it, but, and we'll show it in a second, but I'm just going to preface it quickly. She's like, you know, at the hospital there and she's with them and he just has having all these revelations of like, she's been here the whole time, all these things. So he proposes to her. She says, yes. She then starts to think about some things, goes back to his physical therapy appointment, says no. So I want to invite you guys to see what happens next. Will, you are stupid. Well, stupid is as stupid does. supposed to mean? I don't know, but the movie made like a half a billion dollars. So I say one thing that you don't want to hear and that's it? You just shut me out without even letting me explain? Will, I don't want to marry you seems pretty self-explanatory. Well, you're wrong. Will, I love you. But I just feel like the only reason you asked me to marry you is because you're feeling vulnerable right now. Well, getting shot kind of has that effect on a brother. (laughs) I understand all of that, but what's going to happen when you're back on your feet and feeling like yourself again? 
Baby, I don't want to have to shoot you every six months just to hold on to you. <laughs> that line there, I don't want to have to shoot you every six months in order to hold on to you. It just makes me wonder, what does God think when every single time we are down in the dumps and we start to realize, man, God was here for me. God is the only one that I need. But then when we're okay, we forget our need for God. We forget those moments. And I want to encourage us this morning, don't put God in this situation to have to shoot you every six months. No, that's, I, I understand that's bad theology. That's not how it works. I understand that. But I show this clip as a reminder to bring God into those moments of joy. Don't just wait to meet him at rock bottom. God is not just at rock bottom. He's not just down there waiting for you to get there so he can lift you up. God is in the lows. God is in the highs in North Minneapolis and real life. If you live in North, you understand what I mean. God is in all those places, not just in those low moments. So I want to encourage us this morning to invite the Lord into your season of joy. If you are going home for the holidays, maybe, see God in those moments where you can hug your family again, where you can grab your nieces and nephews. See God in those moments where you enjoy that good food, when grandma's in the kitchen, all those things. Invite God into those moments. God is so good, and he's in so many of our different interactions. And if we can see God in those moments too, I know that that will strengthen the relationship that you have with him to where you're not just in the lows with him, but that God is also in the highs with you. So evaluate this morning if Jesus is welcome in your season of joy. We sang this morning, or yeah, this morning, you're welcome in this place. And I don't believe that's just a physical place. I do believe that God is in physical spaces in all of them, but also that he can be in that place of joy with you. He can be in that place of distress. He can be in that place of waiting. But will you invite him this morning? That's the end of the first sermon. I'm going to go to the second one. The second one is contentment in distress. And like I mentioned before, the tweet is, you don't have to be okay to be content. I want to direct us back to Psalm 46. And Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in, tr in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, the writer of this psalm is not dismissing that bad things happen not dismissing the state of what's going on. Acknowledging that something is wrong doesn't, doesn't mean that you don't believe in the goodness of God. You can still be realistic that things are hard right now. You can still be realistic that you're not feeling well. You can still be realistic about the fact that you may be battling with anxiety and, and depression. You could be realistic about those things. The writer says, God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And if you do a little bit of back study on that verse, basically the, the picture of the mountains falling into the heart of the sea is basically if the, if the worst thing were to happen, if the absolute earth were to crumble under you, 
though those things may be happening in your life, the scripture says, because of who God is, therefore I will not fear. Because God is my refuge. Because God is my strength. Because God is with me in trouble. Because God is my ever-present help. Because God is right here with me. Therefore, I will not fear. See, what you know about God carries you through your season. So if you know that God is your help, if you know and believe that God is your refuge, if you know and believe that God is your fortress, he is your safe place, he will strengthen you, he will guide you through the season. If you know that, you say, because of this, since this, therefore, since God is, is those things, I don't have to fear. Contentment comes when you acknowledge that God is right there. And he's not just there, like he's right there. Not just around, but he's right there. The God of the universe, the God who is concerned with the affairs of the earth is right there with you in those moments. So do you believe that this morning, that whatever your mountain is, he's there with you? Now, that he's your refuge, that he's your safe place, that you can hide in him in those moments of distress. Therefore, I will not fear Now, this morning, again, I'm not asking you to dismiss the reality of your situation, but I am asking you to remember another reality. And that one is that God has a plan for redemption. That God has a a plan for you. He has a plan to rescue. He has a plan to save, and we saw that through Jesus. So I want you to remember this morning that your depression has an expiration date, that your anxiety has an expiration date, that your sickness has an expiration date, That all these things that we're dealing with, though they are real and though they are present, and sometimes they are so close to our face, they have an expiration date because God. Because he has a plan of redemption for you. Now, I don't know when that is. I don't know how, but I do know that Jesus is going to be with you through it. I know that there's a promise of, deli- of deliverance, but I don't know when for you. Which brings us to our final sermon this morning. And that is contentment in your season of waiting. And that season says, I don't need more than what I have right now. That everything I need is right here. But now that you're here, I have everything I need. That I may not have, every, have everything I want, but I do have everything I need because of Jesus. We're all in a season of waiting. I think that's a season that we never really um, get past. That's something that we're always going to have. We're all waiting for something. You know, some of us are waiting to graduate. Some of us are waiting for the, for, for the break. Some of us are waiting for marriage. Some of us are waiting for children. Some of us are waiting um, for, there's so many things. We're all waiting for something. Some of us are waiting to get the job. Some of us are waiting to leave the job. Some of us, we're all waiting for something. Each and every one of us. And I know that in this moment, the disciples specifically can empathize with you. Y'all remember that one time that uh, Jesus went and died for three days? Y'all remember that? I hope so, because that is foundational. So there was this time that Jesus told his disciples, like, I got to go for a little bit, paraphrasing, of course. He said, I got to go, but in three days, I'm going to return. So he told them that. And I can only imagine what those three days were like for these disciples who spent three years with him, 
for those disciples that were with him day in and day out, who knew him, who loved him, who had a routine with him, who were taught by him. But for three days, they were without him. And I can imagine how lonely they must have felt. But I do believe that whatever they felt in those three days had to do with what they remembered about what God said. Those three days probably had a lot to do with who they believed God was. Because at that moment of waiting, of not hearing from Jesus himself, in that moment, in that time period, they had to remember, go back and remember, what did Jesus say to us? What are the things that God was trying to tell us? And in that moment, you have to decide for yourself, do I believe this? Do I believe that Jesus is going to come back like he said he was? Do I believe that on the third day he'll raise again? I saw his body. Do I believe that he's going to come back? And there's probably a distinct difference between the disciples who believed it and the disciples who did it. I'm sure those three days looked very different. Yes, there was grieving. Yes, there was mourning probably on both sides. But for the disciples who remembered who Jesus was and the things that he promised them and the things that he said to them, I bet you they walked with confidence those three days because they said, he, he's coming back. He told us he's coming back. But for the disciples who forgot or who didn't believe, imagine the despair that you have built your life the past few years on this man, and now he's gone. They got him. So that brings us to us this morning. What are those things that God said to you? And in those times of waiting, what does that look like? Who do you walk like? Do you walk like, like people who believe in God, who believe in what he said he was going to do? Or do you walk like those who just can't seem to remember what God said? You know. Do you walk like those who don't believe it anymore? Because waiting does something to us. When God makes us wait, it is a, it, it is very, it's a trying time because we have to remember, what did God say to me? And am I going to choose to believe it? Or is, is this time period of waiting for what God promised me, is that going to distract me? Is that going to cloud my mind so I can no longer remember? Waiting is hard. But I don't believe that God makes us wait unless he feels that it's good for us to do so. That waiting time, that I'm telling you, that's a trying time. And we all know because we're all waiting for something. But I want to challenge us this morning to think, what did God say to you? What are you waiting for? And is what you're waiting for actually from God? What did God promise you? Because if you know that God promised you those things, maybe for you, it is marriage. Maybe for you, it is a child. Maybe for you, it is a new season of life. Maybe for you, God has, God has given you a vision, like how he gave Joseph, a vision that says this is who you'll be, but you, can't, you just can't see how you're going to get there. I'm sure Joseph didn't see how he was going to get there when he was in jail. How am I going to be a ruler when I'm in jail? But who did God say that you are? Who did God say you would be? And are you tired of waiting? Well, I want to invite you guys this morning to welcome God into that place of waiting. Allow the Holy Spirit to remind you of the things that he said so that you can hold on to those truths and walk with confidence, knowing that each step you take is bringing you closer to where God said you'd be, no matter what that looks like. I want to encourage us this morning in that season of waiting. And if you need a reminder, let's read the end of Psalm 46. 
9 through 11. It says, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And we can hold on to that, knowing who God is, what he's capable of, knowing the way that he fights for us, and knowing that while he's doing all that fighting, he's still with us. He's still with us. So this morning, where is your, what is your contentment in? Where is your contentment? Do you have this confidence knowing who God is, knowing the things that he's done? And if not, can you go back and remember? Remember the ways that God has showed up for you. There's a specific story that I always go back to and remember whenever I'm waiting for something. And I was um, a sophomore. Actually, I was a freshman in college. I was 19 years old. And I had a friend who was um, very ill. And she um, had, like, some weakness in her body. And so she ended up having, um, uh, I don't remember exactly what happened, but she had, her ankle was, like, broken or something like that. It was either broken or had, like, a a stress fracture, something to where on the x-rays they were like, this is bad. (laughs) And so she was in a cast for two weeks. I remember her just hobbling around for two weeks. I mean, ask her, are you better today? And she would always say no. She was just like, no, man, it's, it's getting really bad. And her face started to become so um, distressed. She was just so down. She was in so much pain and there was, she couldn't afford the surgery for a little bit longer. So she was just, she was going through. So there was, um, throughout that whole past month, I had been reading the book of Acts. And so I was seeing and experiencing uh, miracles and God was like showing me all these miracles and, and incredible things. And so there was one night in our dorm, we had a bunch of friends in there, and we were just talking, and she came in, and she was in so much pain. And so some of us girls were like, well, why don't we just pray for her? And so they began to lay hands on her, and we prayed for her, and we saw tears stream down her eyes, and she said, I can't feel the pain anymore. She said, I can't feel it. So someone in the room said, well, take off your, your boot, take it off. And so she took it off, and she said, I haven't moved my foot in two weeks. And she began to kick it around. She began to walk around. She began to jump around. And she said, I, I was not able to do this. And it was that experience, it was that moment that I saw the hand of God on somebody's life. And I can remember that. God gave me that as, as and, and that wasn't even my healing, but God gave me that as a gift to witness. Who am I to witness the hand of God? But to see God in that moment. And to say, I don't care what anybody says. I know that God will carry me through. I know that God will work on my behalf. I'm not saying he's going to heal me today. I'm not saying he's going to heal me tomorrow. But I know who he is. And I know that he can. I know that he can. And so if you don't have that kind of faith today, I have it for you. Because I believe in what God can do. I know what God can do. I've seen the things that God can do. I know that God's the only reason I'm standing here. I know that I shouldn't be here. But God, and I can hold on to that and be content that whatever life throws at me, it is my prayer that I would stand strong. It is my prayer that all of us would be like trees planted by the streams of water that are strong, that get their nutrients from the word of God. It is my prayer that we would be so content that we would be built 
on a foundation of scriptures that when storms come, when things happen, we are unmovable. That we stand because we know who God is. I know I'm, I'm loud in telling us what, who God is this morning, but throughout our life, it's more of a, a quiet confidence that nothing can move me. Because God, not because I'm great, not because I've, I've learned all these things, not because I study scripture 18 hours a day. No, because God. Amen. <laughs> I want us to imagine this morning how unstoppable we would be if through every single circumstance in life, we were realistic about what's going on, but we were also realistic about who God is. That no matter what was thrown our way, that no matter what season of life we were in, we still believed the same way. We still had the same contentment, even if we weren't okay. But we still have a contentment in Christ Jesus. I wonder what it would be like if we were like Paul, who said, in every situation, I have learned to be content. He had to learn it. This is something that we put into practice. This is something that we learned that in any season we're in, whether that's joy, whether that's distress, whether that's pain, whether that's agony, whether that's expectation, whether that's shock, whatever that is, Paul said, I have learned to be content. I have learned contentment in Christ. So not that we're all there yet. Paul also says, not that, I'm al- not that I've already arrived, but we're in a, in a situation and in a process that we can learn contentment but how can we learn contentment in all situations if we don't go through it? The only way to get through is to go through. So let's go through and know that when you walk, when you go through, you are not alone. Let's learn to be content and joy. To know that no matter how great things are for you, your need for God doesn't change. Let's learn to be content in distress so that we can know that you don't have to be okay to be content. And let's learn to be content in waiting so that we can know that I don't need more than what I have right now. God has given me everything I need. So this morning, I want us to take some time to reflect. I don't want us to rush out of here and get to the busy things, to get to all the responsibilities, but I want to take a moment for whatever season you're in, and maybe I didn't even get to it, but whatever season you're in, to invite God into that moment and to say, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome into this place of joy. You are welcome into this place of fear. You are welcome into this place of uncertainty. Or I don't even know what season I'm in right now, but you're welcome in it. Whatever it is, you're welcome. So I'm going to ask Tamia to come on up. And, And like Pastor Edrin mentioned before, if you just need to get into a place where it's just you and God, whether that's kneeling, showing him this reverence because you've experienced how good God is. Whether you want to stand up, whether you want to walk around, I invite you to do that. Um, I'll be down here to pray um, as well as a couple others if you want to get prayer. Um, Maybe you say this morning, "I've, I've, I've heard the goodness of God this morning, and I believe in Jesus, and I want to give my life to Christ. I want you to know that the altars are open for that. Because when you hear and when you believe, When God meets you in that moment, you just know, I invite you. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. I don't care what everybody thinks. But if you know and you believe this morning and you want to live for him, I invite you to come forward and do so. Take a moment and invite God into the place that you're in.